Welcome to the election ride home for Friday, February 28th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, trouble might be brewing for Bernie Sanders in California. A record-breaking Super PAC ad buy supporting a candidate you might not expect. A look ahead to Super Tuesday. And the return of Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. The South Carolina primary is tomorrow. It's four days until Super Tuesday and 248 days until the general election. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. The recount results have finally been released from Iowa. This was a recount done by the Iowa Democratic Party as requested by the Sanders and Buttigieg campaigns. Quoting the Associated Press, In the new results, Buttigieg has 562.954 state delegate equivalents and Sanders has 562.021 state delegate equivalents out of 2,151 counted. That is a margin of 0.04 percentage points. Quoting Politico, Buttigieg's lead in state delegate equivalents narrowly increased after the recount, which changed results in 19 precincts. Sanders is still the popular vote leader, both in caucus-goers' initial preference and the final allocation, end quote. As it stands, the national convention delegate count is as follows, 14 to Buttigieg, 12 to Sanders, 9 to Warren, 6 to Biden, and 1 to Klobuchar. A lot of outlets are reporting these as the final results and declaring Buttigieg the winner. However, the Associated Press isn't buying it just yet. Quoting them, The Associated Press has reviewed the updated results and will not call a winner, given remaining concerns about whether the results as reported by the party are fully accurate. The February 3rd caucuses were beset by technical glitches that led to a delay in reporting the results, inconsistencies in the numbers, and no clear winner. The party plans to certify the results on Saturday. At that point, the caucuses will formally end and no further changes to the results will be made. The AP will update its tally of national delegates won in Iowa with that final delegate on Saturday once the Iowa Democratic Party formally votes to certify the results, end quote. The Associated Press is probably smart to wait because according to Politico, Sanders' campaign is challenging the number. Senior advisor to the Sanders campaign, Jeff Weaver, told Politico, quote, We have already filed an implementation challenge with the DNC, stating that the Iowa Democratic Party concluded its re-canvas and recount in a way that violated their delegate selection plan. Continuing from Politico, Weaver said the campaign's challenge, which was filed with the DNC before the recount results were announced, argued that Buttigieg should not have been able to ask for a recount or re-canvas. The Sanders campaign argued that state party's delegate selection plan only allows for a re-canvas or recount request if the request would change the allocation of a national delegate. They argued that Buttigieg's recount request did not meet that criteria. A letter from Sanders' campaign lawyers to the co-chairs of the DNC Rules and Bylaws Committee and Iowa State Democratic Party Chair Mark Smith explained further, quote, Even if every precinct submitted for review by the Buttigieg campaign were changed in Mayor Buttigieg's favor, it would not have altered the national delegation, because Buttigieg did not and could not make a showing that the national delegation would be altered. Mayor Buttigieg's request was deficient and should have been denied, end quote. In other words, it's still not over. And as Glenn would say, we are never leaving Iowa. (music) 
There may be some trouble brewing for Bernie Sanders in California due to difficulties independent voters are likely to face participating in the state's primary on Super Tuesday. Quoting Politico, Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders charged Friday that California's primary system threatens to disenfranchise millions of independent voters whose support he has cultivated in the nation's most populous state. Sanders said Friday during a press conference in Santa Ana that he and his team have been campaigning hard to reach California's 5.3 million no-party preference voters, who now represent the second-largest voting bloc in the state at 25.9%, ahead of Republicans who comprise 23.7%. Unfortunately, under the current NPP participation rules, we risk locking out millions of young people, millions of young people of color, and many, many other people who wanted to participate in the Democratic primary but may find it impossible for them to do so, he said. And that seems to me to be very, very wrong. End quote. To back up, here is some context on California's no-party preference voters. Quoting the Intelligencer, Local elections in California are all nonpartisan, and state elections since 2010 have been governed by a top-two system in which all candidates, regardless of party affiliation, are placed on the same primary ballot, with the two leading vote-getters proceeding to the general election. All voters, including those registered with any party along with no-party preference voters, get the same ballots. There is that isolated exception, however, presidential primaries, in which top two has not been imposed for the obvious reason that it would make compliance with national party delegate selection rules impossible. An additional wrinkle is that California law allows the parties to choose whether to allow no party preference voters to participate in their presidential primaries. In 2016 and again in 2020, Democrats have said yes, while Republicans have said no thanks. End quote. The real kicker is that no-party preference voters are just given a blank ballot for the primaries, unless they actively request a Democratic one. Now, this is kind of fine for anyone physically going into a polling location where a poll worker will probably explain it to them and they'll be able to request that Democratic primary ballot. However, large majorities of California voters now vote by mail, which means they'll just get the blank primary ballot without being able to switch it out. So election officials sent out postcards to all of the no-party preference registrants who indicated their intent to vote by mail, which those voters then have to return, requesting they receive the Democratic primary ballot instead of their blank no-party preference one. But according to Capital Weekly, quote, only 9% of California's growing independent and vote-by-mail population have successfully obtained a partisan presidential primary ballot. For 91% of nonpartisan voters, there is no presidential race on the ballot they received in the mail. The intelligencer says, we're talking 3.7 million voters with those empty NPP ballots, even though a significant majority of them wanted to vote in the Democratic primary. Given Sanders' regular overperformance among indies generally, he probably will be affected most, with Mike Bloomberg also taking a disproportionate hit. The Intelligencer also adds, quote, All these indies who have missed the deadline for requesting a Democratic ballot by mail can still fix the problem by showing up on primary day, so long as they haven't already mailed in a ballot, and asking for the donkey option. And presumably, Team Bernie is letting them know that. But in response to the steady decline in live Election Day voting, some California counties have been replacing traditional precincts with voting centers that may confuse some by-mail voters. 
And in the state's largest county, Los Angeles, new touchscreen voting machines are being deployed on March 3rd, which could create some additional confusion and delay. End quote. So there are a lot of barriers that could prevent people from voting, and even as the candidate expected to win California, Sanders could nonetheless miss out on obtaining as many delegates as he might otherwise. And just one more weird thing about this story. So the no-party preference is now the second-largest voting bloc in California, just ahead of Republicans. And a lot of this is probably due to that top-two system California uses, which makes party affiliation not all that important except for in presidential primaries. However, a lot of the people who have tried to sign up for the no-party preference found themselves accidentally signing up for the American Independent Party, described by the intelligencer as, quote, the zombie survivor of George Wallace's 1968 third-party candidacy that stuck around all these years mostly because voters persistently misunderstand the independent in the right-wing party's name and think they're registering NPP. Quoting a 2016 study of the party by the LA Times, With nearly half a million registered members, the American Independent Party is bigger than all of California's other minor parties combined. The ultra-conservative party's platform opposes abortion rights and same-sex marriage and calls for building a fence along the entire United States border. A Times investigation has found that a majority of its members have registered with the party in error. Nearly three in four people did not realize they had joined the party. Voters from all walks of life were confused by the word independent in the party's name, end quote. So any of the 600,000 American Independent Party voters who meant to register as no party preference and would like to vote in the Democratic presidential primary would have to completely change their party registration. So quite a sticky situation in California for independent voters, a big concern again for the Sanders campaign, and I didn't even mention California's slow count of ballots that means that we won't have final results for a few days after the March 3rd election. Super Tuesday is gonna be so much fun. The largest ad buy by a super PAC in the 2020 Democratic primary race might have just been made in support of Senator Elizabeth Warren. Quoting the New York Times, The super PAC, known as Persist PAC, announced late on Thursday night that it was buying $9 million in television and digital ads across nine expensive media markets in three Super Tuesday states, California, Texas, and Massachusetts. The reservation is in addition to another $3.25 million previously announced that covers seven other states plus California. Because the Super PAC was formed so late, it launched just days before the Nevada caucuses, the group can keep its donors secret from the millions of Americans who will be voting in the coming weeks. A representative for the group said it would not disclose its donors until legally required on March 20th. At that point, about 60% of the delegates in the country would be allocated. End quote. Politico adds, quote, Persist PAC began advertising after Warren's disappointing third and fourth place finishes in Iowa and New Hampshire. Persist PAC spokesperson Joshua Karp said, Our goal is to show voters that Elizabeth Warren has been fighting for the middle class her whole life. End quote. Warren has famously denounced super PACs and big money in politics, attempting at the very start of the race to get all of the candidates to agree not to use super PACs. However, she couldn't get all of the candidates on board. Quoting Politico, 
Earlier in the race, Warren repeatedly criticized her opponents for getting help from outside dark money groups and super PACs, trying to make it a winning contrast for her campaign. When a dark money group bought an ad in the Des Moines Register promoting her last November, she denounced the group and asked it to stop. Spokesperson Chris Hayden told Politico then that, quote, the campaign was not aware of this and asks that those involved immediately stop purchasing advertisements of any kind. Elizabeth Warren believes democracy is undermined by anonymous dark money attempts to influence voters, whether that influence is meant to help or hurt her candidacy, end quote. When questioned recently about Persist PAC, however, Warren would not denounce them, saying, quote, If all the candidates want to get rid of super PACs, count me in. I'll lead the charge. But that's how it has to be. It can't be the case that a bunch of people keep them and only one or two don't. End quote. And Politico notes, quote, All of the Democratic candidates except for the billionaires who have outspent their rivals with enormous sums of their personal wealth have had help from outside groups. A super PAC supporting Joe Biden made a late ad buy in the low six figures for next Tuesday, and a super PAC supporting Pete Buttigieg announced a seven-figure ad buy for Tuesday after helping them both in earlier contests. Senator Bernie Sanders has had help from several outside groups, including the Nurses Union, groups affiliated with the left-wing groups Justice Democrats and Sunrise Movement, along with outside group Our Revolution that he founded after his 2016 presidential campaign, end quote. It should be noted that those outside organizations supporting Sanders are not super PACs, technically. The news of the extent of Persist PAC's ad buy has come just as headlines are saying Warren is trailing behind Sanders in her adoptive home state of Massachusetts. Real Clear Politics's polling average currently shows Sanders at 23.7% of likely voters and Warren at 20. So, if you live in Massachusetts, prepare to probably see a lot of replays of Persist PAC's commercials supporting Senator Warren this weekend. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. In just four days, 14 states, plus American Samoa and Democratic voters abroad, will be voting on Super Tuesday. So before I leave you for the weekend, let's check in with how things are shaping up. First, former Vice President nominee and Virginia Senator Tim Kaine has endorsed Joe Biden, saying in a statement to The Washington Post, It is sad to have a president who no one holds up as a role model for America's kids. By contrast, Joe Biden has exemplary heart, character, and experience. He reminds me of Harry S. Truman, an outwardly ordinary man whose work ethic, faith in the goodness of everyday Americans, and love of country made him a great president. I am proud to vote for Joe Biden. End quote. 
This might give Biden the little bit of a boost he needs in Virginia. Meanwhile, a UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies poll shows Senator Sanders ahead of his nearest rival 2-1 to one in California. He got 34% of support from likely voters, and in second place was Warren with 17%. The LA Times notes that according to the poll, Warren also, quote, continues to be the most cited second choice for supporters of other candidates, end quote. In third place with 12% is Mayor Bloomberg, whose support has doubled since the last Berkeley poll in January. Also of note is that Biden, who was in first place in Berkeley's poll last June, is now in fifth place at just 8%. 538 is predicting Senator Sanders as the biggest winner overall on Super Tuesday. Their primary forecast shows him looking strong in the three western states voting on Tuesday, Utah, Colorado, and California, but being challenged in particular by Biden and Bloomberg in the South. Quoting 538, Alabama is one of the few states where our model does not see Sanders as the frontrunner. Instead, Biden has a 3-in-5 chance to carry it, and Tennessee is a pure toss-up as our model gives Sanders and Biden each a 2-in-5 chance. Oklahoma is also a tight three-way race. Our model says Sanders has a 1-in-3 chance, while Biden and Bloomberg each has a 3-in-10 chance. In Arkansas, North Carolina, and Virginia, Sanders is a bit further ahead, but his chances are still less than 50%, meaning our model thinks it's more likely that someone other than Sanders wins these states than that Sanders does. In Arkansas, Bloomberg is most likely to be that someone, while in North Carolina and Virginia, it's Biden. End quote. The one Southern Super Tuesday state Sanders has the best odds in is Texas, which 538 notes is, quote, the only Southern Super Tuesday state with a sizable number of Latino voters who overwhelmingly supported Sanders in Nevada. Most other Southern Super Tuesday states have bigger black populations and black voters are generally split between Biden, Sanders, and Bloomberg. 538 also adds, quote, Black and Latino voters in different parts of the country didn't all vote in lockstep in the 2016 Democratic primary. We'll see on Tuesday whether similar patterns emerge, end quote. Warren and Klobuchar have decent shots of winning their home states of Massachusetts and Minnesota, quoting 538, If they don't win their home states, they're unlikely to carry any others either. And things are even worse for former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, whose best chance at winning any state is his 2-in-12 chance in Arkansas, end quote. But remember, there are 1,357 delegates up for grabs, and candidates don't have to win first place to get delegates. They just have to receive 15% of the vote to be eligible for state or district delegates, and a lot of the candidates are hovering right around there. When all is said and done, 538 is predicting the delegate count will be as follows. Sanders, 587. Biden, 305. Bloomberg, 211. Warren, 132. Buttigieg, 70. And Klobuchar, 38. A reminder, though, that even with how many voters in these states have already early voted, so much could still change, and this is only a forecast. Quoting 538, even a minor deviation from our forecast, which would not be surprising at all, would be enough to scramble the picture, which is why in the average 538 model run, Warren, Bloomberg, and Buttigieg still get a fair number of delegates. That average is drawn from simulations where they get far more delegates, as well as ones where they get barely any. 538 continues, How good the night truly is for Sanders actually probably rests more on the performance of the other candidates. 
If several collect hundreds of delegates, it could set us on a collision course for a contested convention. But on the other hand, if the non-Sanders vote is diffused among enough other candidates, it is also possible that Sanders is the only candidate who consistently clears 15% everywhere. In that case, Sanders could grab the lion's share of Super Tuesday delegates, thus putting himself in a dominating position to claim the nomination. End quote. So that is a little bit of insight into where we stand right now. The results from South Carolina's primary on Saturday could influence Super Tuesday voters a bit, you know, if we actually get results from South Carolina before Tuesday. Iowa has made me perpetually skeptical. Whatever happens, I will have all the updates for you on Monday. And if you want something to tide you over for the weekend, the New York Times enlisted some opinion columnists to make their case for each of the top six candidates. Maybe it'll help you make a decision if you're on the fence. Maybe some of them will just annoy you. At the very least, I think they're worth reading to remind you of some of the substance to these candidates beyond just endless poll numbers and debate quips. The link to that will be in the show notes. And that is the election roundup for the day. You can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all so much for listening and have a great weekend.